This is The Relaxed Male, a show that comes to you each week helping men to remove the nice guy from their life so they can actually live their life on their terms. Join the host, certified coach, Brian Goodwin, as he helps men step out of their heads and become free from the thoughts that bind them. Hey man, hello and welcome to the Relaxed Mail. All right. So this week got a big change on what we normally do. This week we're actually going to be bringing in, I haven't had a guest since uh, Andy Heller, which was a couple of weeks, so about a month, maybe a month. Anyhow, it was a little bit ago. And wanted to bring in, uh, this is a, an internet friend of mine and, uh, and we have been bouncing ideas off of each other for quite a while and finally came up with one that worked great and decided, you know what, let's, uh, let's go ahead and let's do this. And we're, we got together and we're going to talk about divorce because a lot of folks know that I've not actually been through a divorce, though I have come incredibly close to going through a divorce. And so what actually qualifies me to be able to help guys who are going through a divorce? And I will break that, jump into that and we'll break that down and we'll kind of share that. But to have somebody on the opposite side who has actually gone through the, the pain and the anguish and the frustration and everything that is tied into a divorce, I have my, my friend Craig Ignanowitz come on and we're he's here to uh to be the opposite side of of my line of thing and he's here to to smack me and li- get me lined out if i think i'm just too far if he thinks i'm too far off base so anyhow craig man glad to have you here on the show thank you for coming on and uh why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself yes sir thank you um yeah we've been we've been dancing around this idea for a while now it's like yeah. we should do a show together we should do a show together and we kept coming up with yeah i don't know about this one i don't know about that one and i saw that you were you were giving advice i'm like oh cool i didn't know that he had any experience with that so i, I sent you that quick i am and then yep. i asked you where you were at in that journey and um yeah i guess i i guess this is point and counterpoint today where yeah. you talk about the things that helped you save it and i'll talk about the things that didn't work for me didn't work so uh i've been through this three times now oh wow yes they say third time's the charm yeah uh, uh, a brief background uh first marriage was at like 18 and a half not quite 19 i was in the navy i i knew everything i thought that went on in the world and i know what i'm doing people told me don't get married now you're too young i'm like no no we got this we love each other. That's enough. Yeah. And it wasn't enough because she decided that when we got married, I was already in the Navy. I'd, I'd been through boot camp and I'd been through my first school. And I was home on leave when we got married around Christmas time. And she decided a little while later that she didn't want to be a Navy wife. So I, I got back from sea. I called her. I said, all right, the house is ready because I rented a house with some friends. I said, I got everything ready. We're all set up. And she said, I'm not coming. And that was pretty much the beginning of the end for that one because- right. I wasn't going to be married to someone that I never saw. That was just, that was kind of stupid. So she flew down to um, Charleston, served me with divorce papers and flew back the same day. Wow. So she had, she had that all planned out. That, Cause I'm like, can we talk about it? She said, no, um, my flight's in an hour. I'm going back. I'm like, what? <laughs> Hold on. All right. She so as you can set her jaw to it and she was not, she wasn't budging. So there was no change in her mind. And I'm not saying that I was a great husband or I was perfect in any way, but you know, it's not the way you want to kind of find out that it's not working out when she, she spends the money to fly down to Charleston from New Jersey to, to serve you with divorce papers. Right. Number two, 
I met her on the ship I was stationed on in Norfolk and we were friends first. We were friends for a little while, not a long time, but we were friends for a little while and we started living together and we got married and then she moved us to Tulsa and dumped me in Broken Arrow. So that that was fun. So I, I for a long time, I wouldn't even think about Oklahoma. I didn't want anything to do with Oklahoma because I lost my <laughs> wife. I lost my, my stepkids and I lost my job and I was homeless for a little while. So Oh, wow. Tulsa was not a great memory for me. No, I, I can, you know, I I can that, see how that would be. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I made some really good friends. I, I found, I found the church that I went to and something I want to mention. And I think it's still in existence. I'll have to check and see, but there's a program called divorce care. So and if you guys are listening and you think that you want to, you want to save what you've got, divorce care is a great program, whether you go together or you go singly because I, I saw both. I saw couples that went from our church, and I saw I saw a lot of single well single people that were going through a divorce. And I I made a lot of friends, and I I helped with counseling, and it was a, it was a great God centered program. Good, it, it okay. helped a lot of people. It helped me. It helped me heal. It helped me realize that all right, this is not where you want to be, and this is not ideal. But you know, God is here for you, and God listens, and He knows what's going on. He knows your situation, right? And I always had someone that I could talk to. I could call up any one of those people that were attending that class and I could talk to them. We used to go out for ice cream afterwards and we'd sit and talk about stuff or we'd we'd hang out at someone's house and we'd talk about stuff. And it was great. That was number two. And now number three, I don't want to go into too many details, but it was, it was an abusive situation. It was, it was a dangerous situation for me. At least I felt that way. You know, not many guys will talk about domestic violence, but I was a victim of that. To oh, okay. some extent, not, I can't compare myself to like a battered wife or any of those things, but yeah, it, it happens to guys too. And, oh, yeah. and I, I didn't want to lose my kids because neither one of my grown up kids are talking to me now, but here I am at 55 starting over again. So yeah, you can survive it. It is possible to get past it eventually and move on. Yeah, no. And, and it, it, it is. And that's, like you're saying, that's not something a lot of people want to really think about. Right. I mean, you want to you want to have the the belief that you know when you get married, you're you're married and you're saying I do, and the right. happily ever after exists. And I'm here to say it is there to, to and it does happen. You can actually have a happily ever after and. That's kind of the direction that I'm taking my the this coaching practice is that it's not so much that I am walking a, a guy through their divorce because each divorce is unique. Uh, each divorce has its own set of personalities. One of the most messiest parts about a divorce isn't the divorce itself. It's the people in it. Humans, we make everything messy. <laughs> we, yeah. we, yeah. we throw a, a dash of emotion yeah. into something and it just goes to, it goes to crap in a heartbeat. And so, yeah, it's, I can, I, I don't try to help the guys get to, to get what they want out of a divorce because that's not what the, what this is about. To help guys emotionally get through that divorce is what I'm there to help them with. Because though I've not been through a divorce, I have been, You've been right that up to close the- to, to screwing right. it all up. And that was, it, when it was a hundred percent, my, my fault, I had started talking to a girl I uh, knew back in, uh, back in high school and just 
did everything that you were not supposed to do, you know, started talking about, you know, the, the wife and problems that we were having and all that. And a connection developed and we came real close. There was a, there was a kiss in, in there and that's shortly thereafter the wife found out and it was, you know, it was hell for a good three years. I mean, where it was just, and I was, but the one thing I knew that you had, I was dedicated to on through that whole time was admitting that I'm the one that screwed up. I have to bet. I have to, it is now all upon my shoulders to actually get the confidence back, build that trust back. It's I've told my kids many times, Hey, trust is one of those walls that it takes a long time to build up and a half second to knock down. And so, and that was one of the reasons why, how I knew that is because it, we had been married for, oh, eight years, nine years, whenever, whenever my screw up happened. And from there, you know, there was another three years before things started to fall back to where I wasn't all of a sudden at random times having, having Jana come up and going, let me see your phone. Let me, you know, where have you been in getting right, the 20 right, questions? Yeah. And, at, there's a lot of guys who get a, a real big uh, catch, do a lot of blowback on that because they're like, going, "I've been loyal for the past year." Well, it's you're the one that screwed up. Now she's the one who screwed Absolutely. up, and you're willing to just let bygones be bygones. Okay, that's your choice, and that's what where a lot of guys run into a lot of problems is that they screw up, and then because the wife is still dealing with the hurt of that yeah. trauma. Uh, I'm screwed. Not say trauma because it's not trauma. It's not trauma. It may seem traumatic, but it is yeah, not trauma. Say, I'm, I, traumatic <laughs> I am not one of the, I can't, I'm one of those that I can't, when you say something uh, with the way a lot of folks these days want to talk about trauma, it's like, Oh, well right. they've got trauma. It's a trauma bond. It's a trauma. It's like, no, 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 no. It may have been right. traumatic, but you're not, you don't, didn't lose an arm because of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there may be some mental hurt in there, but it's not trauma. It's I had, I had somebody tell me that they were fighting with their spouse and they, they had PTSD because of it. Like, no, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I've served no, with guys dude. that had PTSD. And let me tell you, honey, this ain't it. Yeah, exactly. It's horrible. And the, it may seem terrible. It may seem all these things, but. It's not, it's it, not the same thing. It's that, like, no, it's not PTSD. Trust me. It's, I don't have PTSD. I, but I've got enough friends who do have it because they are in the, they've been in the army. They were, they were overseas in battle mm-hmm. and, uh, and all that. And so, yeah, they've got PTSD and I see, right. you know, those moments when it's, they're really fighting a, 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 a an issue with their mind is trying to jump back into into security mode and it's just it gets uh it gets a little intense it can get really intense at times yeah absolutely yeah and like yeah divorce is not something that you should aim for i don't think and as someone who's been through it i can tell you it's not it's not everything it's cracked up to be a lot of people are like well I, I can't wait to divorce her and i can't wait to divorce him i'm like that's that shouldn't be the goal and you know right. you said you said earlier about how it's not, you know, it's not all roses all the time. And you should, you should look for the happily ever after, but it's work. There's yeah. work involved in that. You don't just meet, 
someone or marry your high school sweetheart and think, all right, this is it. This is going to be marital bliss till we're like, till we're old and decrepit and everything. <laughs> you know, back in the day, like my grandparents, my grandparents were married for, oh God, almost 70 years before, before the, before my grandfather passed. Right. It had to be close to 70 years. I believe and it. I would watch them. And I know there was a lot of stuff they hid from us because we were kids, but mm-hmm. they worked at it. Oh yeah, they constantly no, worked at it every day, and you just work and you fix it, and and now it's like, oh well, we're fighting, so that's it, we're done, and you know, it's not, that's not really the ideal. And like, I had a similar situation where I I did something I shouldn't have done, and I stepped out when I shouldn't have, and I and I had a million reasons why I could justify oh, yeah. in my head because I didn't like her or things weren't going well with us or whatever. And it's very easy once you get mm-hmm. into that talking to a friend kind of thing oh yeah no that is probably the biggest that, danger that bond to form because you're you know in my case it was someone who else who had been through a, a terrible marriage so we had we had a, a definite bond yeah. there so when it comes to comes to divorce <laughs> and and everything that it, uh and and marriage is falling apart more specifically where do you think a lot of couples go wrong I think a lot of it is communication. I think once once that first hurt happens, that that you know, I to use the phrase, whoever draws first blood. Once that first blood is drawn, a lot of couples will shrink back into themselves and they'll say, "Okay, well, you hurt me, so now right. I don't I don't trust you anymore, or I don't feel as strongly about you as I did." And I think a lot of it starts there. And I think. Now, I've never been to a professional counselor or a therapist or anything. The closest I came to was was a divorce care, which was led by people who seemed to know what they were doing. Right. But I think a lot of people need to seek outside help. And I think it's it shouldn't be one spouse or the other choosing where you go. Like, well, I found this doctor, so we're going to go see him or her. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that's right because that's that's one person forcing their beliefs and their ideals on the other one. And that, mm-hmm. that, that never works. It, it's never going to work when one person has all the, all the power and the other person is just like, okay, well, right. Cause I've seen why it's like, if you want to say this and you're going to do what I tell you to do. And that's, I understand that because like you said, right no that's you did the hurting that that spouse is hurt. They're wounded. Now they're, they're licking their wounds and they're, they're drawn back into themselves. So I, I get the idea of, you're going to do what I want you to do, but that doesn't really fix a situation at all. No. That, in a lot of cases, that makes it worse. Well, why does it have to be your way? And in my case, she said, well, I forgive you. And I thought, all right, well, you forgive me. So that should maybe not necessarily. There's, yeah, there's a difference. Like, there's a big difference between forgive and forget. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. But if you tell me that you forgive me, then you can't keep bringing it up. For the rest of our marriage, you can't bring it up 20 years later. Remember that time when, no, that's not how it works. You can't do that because that's going to, that's going to hurt the other, that's going to hurt the other partner as well. And you can't keep digging at the wounds wanting to heal if you keep picking at it. Yeah. And well, there's a part of that. I, I can I see how you would, would arrive at that, uh, that conclusion. But again, when it comes to there's, there's a big difference between forgiving and forgetting, mm-hmm. you know, you can, and I think what, what a lot of us actually get confused on is the difference between forgiving and accepting an apology. Right. And a lot of us, yeah, we accept an apology. We can accept an apology and that's okay. But to truly forgive, that's something that actually does take, 
years and years down the road oh, yeah, to absolutely. really truly forgive that that problem because yeah they can go well I forgive you for this little transgression you yeah you stepped out and I, there's some I'm sure there are people out there who can go eh, okay okay I get it just know that somewhere down the way I'm, I'm I may have to do the same thing so you want to you know they may set their own terms right. and stipulations but um I think a lot of the issue that most, especially folks to, uh, today, are stumble over is the fact that they believe the other person has control of their of their uh, their e- emotions and their their feelings. So they believe that you know your your job is to make me happy. And right. no, people can't make each other happy. It's a, yeah. it's an actual impossibility. God didn't grant us the ability to control another person in that way. Now people right. do. They try to give up that that control and go here. Here, you've got all the control of me. You you can make me happy, or you can make me sad, or you can make me angry. It's all up to you. And um, and it it doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen right. because one. Do you really want somebody to have control of your emotions who struggles to control their own emotions? Right. Yeah. You don't want to give up. You don't want to give up all control. (laughs) And then on top of that, yeah, you end up becoming a victim of, well, he didn't make me happy. Well, he can't make you happy. It's not a possibility. I I think you can encourage your spouse and you can, you can give them the support to to find your happiness, but you can't be the sole source of someone's happiness. No, you you can't make it. Like I said, you can't make them happy. I mean, you can, because emotions don't come from in the outside, outside world. They, you know, you see the sun hitting you on the face. That's not making you the, the fact that the sun hitting you on the face isn't going to make you happy because what if you have a sunburn? Right. You get the sun hitting you on the face. That's not going to make you happy. Right. Absolutely. So the, the circumstances are completely neutral. And this is something I've been really working with uh, here recently is just the neutrality of a circumstance, because even you look at even the darkest times of the, of the world, you know, Nazi invading Poland, you know, <laughs> a lot of people think that's a really bad thing. A lot of the Nazis thought it was a really good thing. If it was the circumstance right. was a real thing, actually created the emotions, everybody would feel the exact same emotion about it. 9-11. Most, right. uh, most, if not all of the folks in the U.S., when the towers fell, we felt dread, horror, anger, all these, uh, all these quote-unquote negative emotions. Right. There were folks over in the Middle East who were jumping up and down, celebrating, ha- having parties on the on the the roofs of their houses. Yeah, I remember. The, I remember the videos of that. And yeah, yeah. and so again, uh, what the circumstance of nine eleven falling is actually completely neutral. It's just until you apply a thought to it that it becomes good, bad, or whatever. So right. I think too many couples, like you said, I think too many couples rely on the other one to be the source of their happiness. And you right. can't, you can't do that. You got to be happy. You have to make yourself happy because if you're not, it's never going to work out for you no matter what, because there's always going to be an issue. There's always going to be that possibility of a hurt feeling because you didn't do what I expected you to do. Mm-hmm. Not that you're not that you have to do it, but you come to expect, well, I thought you were going to do this and you didn't do that. So now right. I'm angry with you. Those are, those call, uh, call those, uh, manuals. 
Right. You know, you those, have, you your operator manual. You want to make me happy? This is what you do to make me happy. And if you don't do it, then, you know, right. again, that's you handing your control over to somebody else or your wife handing a controller to you saying this, hit these buttons in the right, right order. Right. And it took me a long time to be happy with myself, <laughs> not right. relying on someone else. It's a, it's a lot of work to get there. Oh, yeah. I think it's worth it. And one of the one of the funniest things that I've right, and one of the funniest things I've done with uh, with my wife, and just to watch her kind of struggle with it, was actually I'd gone off and uh, absolved her of any responsibility of making me happy. Right, and watching her struggle of of of, you could see her processing the 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 thought as uh, after it was said and. Just to be able to to drop that role and responsibility of her, she, her job is no longer to make me happy. She is absolutely. She is just to go off and try to find any way she can make herself happy, and that will reflect back up, uh, bring be brought back into the marriage, and the marriage itself right. would be happy. So, with what are one of the some of the bigger things that that men in general. Phase. What's what are some of the uh, some of the bigger thoughts or some of the worst thoughts? I guess you might even say that men face and struggle with whenever they're going through a divorce. Um, I think a lot of it is it attacks your self confidence because you feel like, all right, I screwed up. What did I do? And that's just not all men, but I think the majority of men think, all right, I screwed up. How did I do this? I'm I'm the man. I'm supposed to be the the cornerstone of the family. Um, there's so much pressure and so many things put upon men to be the strong pillar of the household. And Mm -hmm. when this happens, sometimes they don't see it coming because the wife has been unhappy for a long time and she doesn't communicate that with her spouse. And sometimes you're blindsided by it. Like I had no idea this was coming. Um, my second wife, I knew we had problems, but I was trying to work on them. I was trying to be a better husband and everything. And, and um she went back home to see take my stepdaughter to see her father in arkansas and i guess stuff happened with her and her first husband and that didn't really help us and then we were fighting about that and then out of the blue she served me with divorce papers on father's day which i thought was a really nice touch like oh by the way happy father's day here here you go (laughs) here's a divorce decree for you so I felt I felt blindsided by that. I mm-hmm. felt betrayed by that. I thought I was doing everything I could be to be a good husband and a good provider to this to the kids and everything. And boom, out of nowhere, you know, it's like I had no idea you were unhappy for this long. Why didn't you tell me? Kind of thing, or right. or I had no clue. And I'm not saying that happens all the time, but I I think it happens in a lot of cases. And the other side is the guy knows that it's coming and doesn't care. Right. And I think even the ones that say, oh, I can't wait to divorce you, I think, in my case anyway, deep down inside, it's like, it's not what you want. No. I got a I got a text from my ex the other day saying, well, the divorce is finally, you're free now. I'm like, I wasn't looking to be free. I wasn't, <laughs> 25 years ago or 26 years ago, when we, when we said I do, this was not anywhere on my radar that at some point we're going to say, okay, well, that's it, we're done. Right. And I'd be starting over again at 55, almost 56. It's not, it's not what I wanted. <laughs> Is the divorce something I needed? Absolutely. Because I was in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. 
I was stressed all the time. I'd look at the clock and say, oh, God, it's going to be home from work soon. Or, you know, or I would be leaving work and I'd say, well, I, I have to go home to her now kind of thing, right. which is not healthy by any stretch of the imagination. You should never get to that point in your relationship where you say, oh, God, it's a small clue if something's not, not good. Right. If you're, yeah, you don't want to be in the same the room. You don't, want to, you don't want to spend time with them or anything. It's like, you know, can we have a bigger bed so I don't have to touch you while I'm sleeping? Kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> the couch is not. The I mean, couch I mean not we need a bigger bed in our in our house, but that's just because we got a great Dane sleeping between us. So it's right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not where you want to be, but sometimes. Right. And this is going to sound counterintuitive to a lot of people out there, and a lot of counselors and marriage people and everything. But sometimes divorce is what you need to do. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's not it's not what you should aim for or strive for. But sometimes you get to the point where you're just like, all right, yeah, this and- is absolutely not working. Nothing you say or do is going to change my mind, and we need to separate. Yeah, and I mean that's uh, that's one reason why I actually the my whole divorce program that I'm I've created, I've actually called it the divorce crucible because a crucible is just the container that you put right. raw material in to melt down to turn into something else. So you use that right. crucible, that big old cup. Uh, or ladle that uh, that you see whenever people are smelting and and melting down metals and stuff, and that's the the analogy of taking a guy, man, melting him down, which is not a comfortable process. I no. mean, it, there's a lot of flame, there's a lot of heat, there's a lot of change, right? And it's then, a refining process, it, yeah. and you're de- refining yourself, and then on top of that, you're taking away all those impurities that come that form on the top. You're taking that slag, you're scraping it off and setting it and throwing, just throwing it away. And what comes out of there is a better, pure man. And that's one of the things that I've one of the, that's actually the tactic that I'm wanting to take with, with men is, Hey, your this divorce is going to suck. I agree. I'm not, I don't have to have gone through your divorce. I don't even have to experience because one, your experience of your divorce is going to be completely different than what I experienced from it. Yes. Because I'm basing my experience, uh, everything, all the thoughts that I have ba- are based upon my past experiences. Right. And so I, my wife gets mad, throws something at me. I would, you know, I may have a, oh, well, she's, she's angry again and I'd be okay with it. Or it be, oh my, she's, you know, she's gone completely off, off a rocker and she's, she's going to kill me next. You know, it, it, same instance, ashtray flying, hurtling at your head, two different thoughts, one being a little bit on the lighter side than, than the other. Right. And so that's one reason why I don't have a problem with, I have not gone through a divorce and I know how to help, uh, help men who do go through it because we're not dealing with that particular each individual you know occurrence that happens all of those are just circumstances thoughts or uh or feelings right excuse me when something comes on you had these two thoughts it's like oh what did i do or i need to go hide for a while <laughs> yeah until she, until she calms down <laughs> let's let her breathe let her breathe right, and right. a Actually, lot of never guys, ever tell her never ever tell a woman calm down oh no 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 that just makes it worse and you yeah sleep with <laughs> But a lot of, uh, and that, but a lot of guys actually, and this is a rise of a big problem, uh, societal, uh, societally speaking is 
that a lot of men have become nice guys and thinking that a nice guy is what they need to be able to achieve a better experience with their marriage, to be able to get more sex with their, from their wife and all this. And honestly, that is the worst thing you can actually ever do is to just sit there and be be the nice guy, sit there and be this mealy mouth, linguine spined dude. Who's just, well, where do you want to go? eat? I don't care. Wherever you want to go. Well, no, she wants you to choose. She wants you to step up, right. be an assemblance. You don't even have to be a man. You just have to kind of play a man for 15 minutes and go, yeah, right. we're going to go to, to go to steak and ale today. I don't know. I don't even know if steak and ale is even around anymore, but anyhow, so go they're, they're making a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> I saw an article making a com- steak and ale's coming back. Oh, that would be awesome. If it does. Yeah, I, I call those guys, Melvin milk toast. They're just <laughs> wishy washy. And they're like you said, they're mealy mouth and like, oh, okay, whatever you want, dear. Yeah, whatever, like, dear. <laughs> yes, dear. Whatever you want, dear. <laughs> so, but, and, but those guys, you got to step up and be a man. Yeah, you absolutely have to be. Yeah, have to be a dude. And one of the one of the hardest to. things for those types of guys are is being a dude because yes. nice guys come from uh, the term uh, norm. Uh, nice guy comes from Robert Glover's book No More Mister Nice Guy, right. and he's and he talks about where the whole where guys get the the whole nice guy. Uh, line of thinking from, and it is because so many men are out of the house. And so the boys actually grow up in a, either a single mom uh, household right? or they, they don't spend near as much time with dad as before, because dad's either out traveling all the time or, or doing whatever, because right. back in the, before the industrial revolution, the boys, even at, three and four years old would go out with dad and spend all day with dad. And right. dad would incorporate the, the masculinity of manhood into, into him just by proxy. And then when kids started having to go to school and started having to go to uh, required to go here and there and all the other requirements, all their teachers and stuff were predominantly women. And so right. you had women in the, uh, being raising them, women who are teaching them. And so they realized, Oh, I get along a lot better and I get a lot more. Everybody seems to be happy with me whenever I try to people please. Right. Mrs. Johnson or my mom or, or Aunt Kathy or whoever. And because they have that line of thinking, they are very, resistant to actual masculinity and these guys will actually spend more time hanging around the women because it's easier for them to manipulate and and to to get these women to like them and to to approve of what their actions are than to actually have to try to fight for the the approval from a man and that's where a lot of men a lot of men struggle I didn't have to deal with that growing up. I spent a lot of time with my mother, a lot of time with my grandmother. You know, at, at Christmas parties or whatever, I would be in the kitchen with them yeah. because it was just like you said, it was easier to get along with. Yeah. I had to worry about being a guy or anything. Not that you really understand that at four or five or six years old, but there is that part of you that says it's better in here than it is out there. I right. didn't really have to be a dude until my teenage years. 
that's when I started. Okay, now I got to figure out right then that's, what being a man is, and then joining the Navy at eighteen or eighteen and a half. And that's where a lot of guys actually turn into a man. That's why being a being a either a soldier, sailor, marine, whatever. Right. That's when a lot of men become actual men because they are actually forced to be around a group of men. And right. so yeah, they and can, there's no escaping it 24 seven, 24 seven. Yeah. It's just, it's all just a bunch right. of sausage party and it, it, it and it right. does them wonders. And because they are having to be around masculinity because men, yeah, I'm, I'm not pro military industrial complex or anything, but I think, yeah. I think it would do a lot of, a lot of the soy boys, a lot of good. If they would have to go even like a six week boot camp. Yeah. Here, just go toughen up a little bit. Learn how to be, learn how to be a dude or something other than what you're doing. Cause what you're doing is not working. It is not it's working. not serving no. society. And Standing around. I'm not saying you have to be all, all, all Joe army or whatever, you know, but it, it helped me and it helped a lot of people I knew, mm-hmm. you know, they, they became men and they, they grew into responsible adults and everything and because oh, yeah. they had no choice. But now I think there's too much the other way Yeah, where people are like, you know, get along to get along and they just go they go with whatever the flow is. And I, I don't think that's, I really don't think it's a no. good recipe for a marriage at all. Oh, it's not a good recipe for it, marriage. It's not a good recipe we'll do what for you friendship or anything. It's, you know, yeah. you, one of the great things about a relationship is the give and the take. Oh, you don't like this. Okay. Well, tell me why you don't like this. Oh, well, right. I think you're full of crap, but okay. You know, well, that's and, fine. yeah. And to be okay with the fact that somebody doesn't agree with you. That scares the crud out of both sides. All of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, we're not a happy, you know, we're not a happy. No, we're not the happy couple that I was telling all my girlfriends. Oh, she's angry at me and I'm <laughs> angry at her. And oh, this it just fell apart. So let's not even try anymore. And I think right. that's where a lot of a lot of folks, a lot of couples fall apart. And like you were saying earlier, they were, uh, you know, it's communication, it's that connection. Well, connection doesn't happen when you're sitting at one end of the couch. He's sitting at the other end of the couch right. and y'all are doing two separate things. Right. You know, there's a, yeah. oh, what so is it called? Absolutely yeah. drives me nuts is let's watch a movie together. And then she's on the phone all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's on the phone all the time. It's like, we're not watching the movie. Yeah. I'm, well, watching I'm, movie, I'm being, watching I'm being annoying with my, with my phone. Cause usually I'm, I'm scrolled up to IMDB going, reading off little facts about the movie. <laughs> it's like, Oh, did you know? So and so did. Wow. I didn't realize they were going to have John Travolta in this one here, but they right, he turned yeah. it down. Who's not that? <laughs> I had, I had that problem with, um, with the, with Amazon prime where you could do the x-ray things. Like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's, an, Oh, what, let's see what else, what other movies have been in. I know this person. <laughs> Right. But I spent a lot of times watching movies together where one of us was not engaged yeah, at all. Not engaged and then they'd get mad and say, well, why don't we watch movies together? Because I watch them and you watch your phone or you're playing whatever, whatever the game of the day is on your phone. Oh no, I'm watching. No, you're not. No, you're not. What happened? <laughs> why'd you pause? Why'd you pause the movie? Cause you're not watching it. <laughs> so, but again, with something like that, what would it, I mean, the reason, the issue that we that we came across on on just that very scenario. Let's let's play with that scenario just a little bit. So she's not watching tele, watching the movie. You're watching the movie, and you pause it. What was the thought that you were having that would have caused you to stop it? 
that we were supposed to be watching it together and one of us wasn't and okay. you know if we're, if we're gonna, i can watch a movie anytime mm-hmm. but if i if i carve out time in my day i put aside everything else for you for an hour two hours or whatever it is you know i've, I've agreed that we're going to watch a movie i'm not going to be distracted i'm going to be present for you and even if we we're just sitting next to each other on the couch to me that's being present with you because we're like hip to hip right and there's a physical contact there. And we're supposed to be doing an, an activity together. Right. And you're not engaged in it. Then okay. that's, that's insulting to me. But, okay. Now, you demanded now my time. Right. And now you're not sharing your time with me. Right. Okay. Now, see, that is exactly where a lot of where I'm getting at uh, it comes from. The We take an action and we interpret that action to be something. We have a thought. Right. So she's sitting there. She's looking at her phone, playing the game. And you have the thought of we're not being present. Right. Which created the 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 feeling of probably some long, I, I don't know. When you saw that happen, what was that? What, how did you, how do you, did you feel? Right. That, in that instance, I took it as an insult to me. Maybe it wasn't meant that way. It probably okay. wasn't meant that way, but you know, we agreed that we're going to do an activity together yeah. and then you're not there for it. Yeah. And like, so you had, you had the, uh, why the hell am I here? Kind yeah. of thing. You had the feeling of being insulted. Yes. So that it, being insulted was that you would turn off the television or you pause yeah. the television and y'all would commence to having a disagreement yes. about it. So did that actual, that actual thought led to the, led to y'all actually having a disagreement. Yes. Which led to y'all not being closer. Right. So what would have and, happened if you had changed your thought to, to, you know, this is a good show. I'm at least sitting next to her. Right. You know, that would have had a completely different outcome. Yeah. She may, she may not have caught all the movie. I mean, and who knows? Maybe she's bored with the movie because, you know, it's sci-fi. And I mean, my God, who likes sci-fi? We need a good. I see your point. Now I see (laughs) your point. Uh, She may not have liked the movie, but. There were there were instances and and occasions where she chose the show to watch mm-hmm. something that I was not into at all. But I'm like, all right, she wants to spend time with me. I'm going to spend time with her. Right. And here we're going to watch this TV show or movie or whatever. You know, this this docudrama about ancient England or so, who the hell who the hell knows right. what it's about. Right. It doesn't the the subject doesn't matter. It's something that you're not into. But you can get to the point where you say, all right, well, I'll watch this because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I, I made the effort. I'm watching something that I have no interest in. I'm, my eyes are rolling back in my head from whatever it is. I'm, I'm fighting. I'm fighting right. like falling asleep because I really can't stand whatever I'm watching. And then you're, you're like, you're next to me, but you're not really here. You're like, you're I am with friends or whatever. You're texting people. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. Now, you want to watch this show about the queen, right? Not me. Now let's uh, kind of a little something that I've noticed with that is when you. People have what's called a motivational triad. Okay. That is, they want something, they want to avoid pain, seek pleasure, and be it as efficient as possible. And so when she is going, when she turns to her phone, yeah, she may have wanted to watch the show, but she, a lot of, 
what most people do when they turn to a habit is they actually are looking for a bump in dopamine. Okay. So that, 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 that habit of turning to the phone, the phone, that these things are nothing more than just, it's, it's a, it's a bag of, of dopamine is what that is. That is right. a square slab of dopamine. And all you have to do is look at it, see that you got a like for something. Boop, all right. Hey, that feel a little bit better. And so they, right. they're, they're always wanting to, to turn to people want to turn to their phones all the time just because, yeah, yeah they don't know how one, they don't know how to be bored. Right. And even though they're watching a movie that they l- wanted to see and they may be watching it, there's there since they're used to having their dopamine levels at, you know, at an eight and watching the movie, they're only sitting at like a five and a half. Right. They're going, Oh dude, we're low here. We need to bump yeah. this up. And so they turn to, turn to, to the television. So you can actually, decide you could change actually your your thoughts on that and you wanted to be you want to have a a closer connection right what would be a thought that you could have in that situation that would have given you a, a more closer uh been able to have a closer connection to a uh, to the woman that you were with at the time i don't know i know now i make i make a conscious effort if i'm out and we're having lunch or dinner or whatever. There are times when I, I want, oh, let me look that up on my phone. And I realize that I'm not really being here for her. So I put my phone down and I apologize profusely. I'm saying, I'm sorry. I was being rude to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and, and that's that's and good because with, you're actually making the conscious choice of, right. of of wanting to make sure that you are physically and mentally present. Well, right. and I, I blame a lot of it on the YouTube society now. Well, I have the attention span yeah. of a gnat. I yeah. really do. But if, if a video is more than thirty seconds, I don't want to watch it. Like, oh god, a minute and a half. No, that's 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 way too long. <laughs> I don't want to watch a video for a minute and a half. That's way too long. <laughs> but at the same time, the the issue, the reason why you're you and your your ex were having such a hard time actually connecting was actually not the fact that she, y'all two weren't connecting, but your definition of what a connection was right. were two right. separate things. But also you're on a journey of knowing what conscious living is like to be able to live in the world, being present with what is there actually around you right. while you're, Wife, by the sound of it, I don't know her personally, so I can't, I'm not going to make an assertive discussion right. about it, but by the sound of it, it's, it seems like she's pretty much still living in a very, um, Eckhart Tolle, uh, calls it unconscious living where okay. they just kind of go through the day. Um, I, I like calling it, uh, unintentional. You're living, right. you're wanting to live your life very intentionally. I am going to be intentional with living with you being present with you watching a movie side by side. We're all both wanting to watch the movie while her, her life is going through in the opposite where she's being very unintentional. She doesn't see, Hey, I'm angry because of a thought she sees. I'm angry because something happened and somewhere along the way, a magic uh, formula kicked in and I'm mad now, mad. Right. So, you know, I kick I the table. Point. It's and the table's fault when, that I stumbled my toe on the table because it was in my right. way, you know. 
Right. That, what, what un, gets unintentional me thinking. Is, is when that spouse is doing that action, whatever it is, and you're supposed to be watching a movie or, or whatever, you're supposed to be engaged with one another. You pause, you pause the TV show, and then they get upset. Well, why'd you pause it? Well, you're not watching it, so there's no point in continuing. Or when you look up every five minutes and say, what happened? What did I miss? Well, if you'd been watching it, <laughs> if you'd been and watching again, this thing that you forced me to right, watch, right. And again, that is whole... in it, then you would know right. <laughs> that this just happened. Yeah. and But you could also have the uh, line of thinking of, well, that's we we have a chance to connect now. She wants to right. know what's happening. All right. Well, this is what's happened, and and you could take you could give it right. um, a good way that I help a lot help my men to see what direction they're actually looking at it. How would you have approached that if you were just stupidly madly in love with her and nothing mattered except the fact that you when you looked at her you feel just overwhelming love. Right. Say, so again, let's go to the same scenario. You're watching television. She's on the phone and you are feeling nothing but love, not, not uh, frustration, right, not, not insults right. or anything like that. You're feeling just love for her. How would you have actually approached that then? It probably wouldn't have bothered me, Yeah, but you know, but, it's, but that's the problem is that so many times we don't choose love. Right. And that's the, that's the weird thing. So, Cause a lot of people will go, Oh, so I'm supposed to just let her run over me if I don't feel love. So I'm supposed to just let her, you know, continue doing whatever it is she's doing because I, I love her and I want the best for her. Or I, not that I want the best for her, but I, just because I love her, I should let her just do whatever it is she wants. Well, right. is I- it making her happy? If yeah, then why not? But right. it's going, uh, but it's going to kill her. What if? So I should let her just have all the heroin she wants if she, because I love her. Right. Well, I think that loops around to what you said earlier about not letting them run all over you. If that's a, if that's a, a pattern of behavior that that your spouse has all the time, is that something you should accept? Whether you're madly in love with her or not, should you just accept the fact that when you're watching a movie that she 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 bugs? Well, not bugs you, but she. I guess pester is a good word. She pesters <laughs> you into doing an activity together over and over again. We never watch TV together. We never do things together. We never do this. We never do that. And, you know, you using that never word and never is a word you should never, ever use. You know, right. never, never and always are two trigger words. You always do this or you never do that. Right. We never watch TV together. Well, we watched TV last night together, you know, or whatever. It wasn't a show yeah. you want to watch. You know, I made you watch like Ladies of Wrestling or something. <laughs> really, I'm not really into this, but you know. But but at I, the same time, I, when you hear when you hear your your wife or girlfriend or whatever say, "We never do that," is that knowing that it's whether it's true or not true? What would the, what does that actually say that she's wanting? More attention from you, or more, or yeah. feeling that. And the, the only thing the moment that, present with it her. could be that the only thing that she knows as of right now is we have the same, we both like to watch television. Right. So maybe it's okay. We don't do anything together. Okay. Well, well we can do television right. or maybe we go out for a stroll. You know, you, you can, you might even be able to find something where it kind of forces her to have to set that phone down. <laughs> 
Right. And, you know, and it, it may not, I don't know, but you know, there's always ways of being able to get, you know, get the results she wants and the results that you want, but to, it, it can get messy by just trying to interpret. Right. We want to take what people say, especially us guys. We want to take what people say very literally. Oh, we never watched television together. Okay, well, let's go watch television. Well, she, right. it may not right be now. that she actually watched television. <laughs> it may be that she's like, just her way of saying, you know what? I just want to, and it may be that her, and there's a whole bunch of maybes in here. Right. But, you know, it could be that, yeah, she may just want to spend time with you. It may just be that her, one of her love languages was to just be physically present with you. Right. And y'all could be doing two, you, you could be building, you know, building the ark as long as she's got her sitting right next to you playing on her phone. She didn't give a crap right. about your ark, but you know, at the same time, she's just wants to be in that same room set, sitting. Oh, absolutely. And- um, or, you know, and I don't know if you ever read the 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 five love languages or not. No, it's on it's on my list of things. Uh, to it's read. a it's an interesting read, and you'll go through there and go, oh, 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 oh. okay, oh, I saw that one. Right. Oh. <laughs> so right. great, great book. I, I, don't try to live your life by by that because you will drive yourself bonkers. Oh, absolutely. Trying to live yeah. because I, I was like, watching wow. the TV show and they were talking about that because I guess when the when it was filmed. That was like the hot topic of the day, and, mm-hmm. and watching this couple, like, well, she's like, "This is my love language," and, and he's like, "My love language is you not talking about love languages." <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my love language is not talking about this stuff. That's if you want to make me happy, let's stop talking about this stuff. It is not. And unfortunately, unfortunately for my marriage, I I learned a lot of things too late, or I made adjustments too late, and. Anyone who's listened to my podcast in the last few months, uh, they're probably sick of me talking about my walk with God. And I've I've gotten better. I'm a better person now. I'm a better man than I ever was. I've I've changed all these things. And it's unfortunate it didn't come in time to save my marriage. But But, I've learned now to be that person like, all right, well, we're at least we're together. Right. When I'm sitting with my roommate and like, all right, we're on the couch together. We're doing these things together. Doesn't matter if you're on your phone and I'm doing a puzzle book or I'm reading or I'm watching TV or I'm whatever, I'm watching YouTube videos on my phone. I know that you are right there with me mm-hmm. and we're, to, we're doing different things together, which sounds odd. How, how do you do different things together? Well, you, you feel that presence. You know that they're there with you. They're doing the same thing that you're doing and you're enjoying spending your time together. Yeah. And guys and women both have got to realize that maybe that's enough. Maybe I don't need all the, all the bells and whistles. I just need my spouse to be here with me. Yeah. Whether we're doing the same thing or not, doesn't matter. We could both be reading our books. We could both be watching different, different Facebook reels or whatever, but some way, somehow you're still doing it together. Exactly. And, and, you know, you're right. In those instances, I should have realized that, well, she's here with me. I think what angered me most was this was your idea to do this activity. And now I I put aside that, whatever I was doing or whatever I wanted to do or whatever I, I would normally be doing at this time. Now I'm I'm doing this activity with you and you've checked out. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think that's what led to my anger was you wanted to do this and I'm here doing it. I'm making an effort. Yeah. I could have been putting, doing something completely different, but now I'm, I'm all not, into it and you're not here. Right. And you know, so and again, what, we, we, we shifted most. out of that prism of love into a prism uh, of frustration. 
Yes. And, you know, and we could actually, I mean, I could get into, we get into it, to the emotional, uh, emotional feeling wheels, whatever you want to call them. But, you know, a lot of people, there's, cause there's two, uh, two primary emotions. And a lot of people want to say that there's like four or five, but no, there's right. only, there's only two primary emotions. There's love and then the direct opposite, which isn't hate, but it's fear. Okay. So you have, because hate actually is, comes from fear. And so does jealousy come from fear. All the, all the quote unquote negative emotions come from fear and uncertainty. Right. While love creates the joy, the happiness, the euphoria and all the other, uh, other positive emotions. So there's, there's a fear-based emotion. There's love-based emotion. And most of the time, not most of the time, all the time, when we feel fear, that is when we are actually having a very unmanaged brain. When okay. we're not paying attention to what our thoughts are, when we're living a very unintentional life, we become very fearful because we let our, our amygdala just go, oh, well, they're, you know, this isn't working. This is, this is happening. We're, we're going down the wrong road. You know, right. what does this all mean? And we're trying to read into a bunch of stuff that has nothing to be read into. Right. Right. Um, so it's, and it's one of those where, yeah, if you can stop and pay attention when you catch yourself going down that hill and you really go, well, do I really believe that? You know, and start just kind of questioning yourself, doing your own. You got to rein that in. Yeah. You can reel it in and go, oh yeah, she's on her phone. She likes to be on her phone. It's because she's, you know, she needs a little extra dopamine. All right. And you can. You realize that the boundaries that we all are all, all talking about are for those who don't live their managed brain. Right. So, you know, you've got your, say, your mother-in-law who is always coming over and sticking her nose in, into the <laughs> business. That's where she and she's doing that so that she can, you know, feel, you know, that she still has some type of influence over her daughter's life. Right. Very, un, again, very unmanaged brain she is living a very unintentional unintentional life i was very lucky i i out of the three i i had two really great mother-in-laws and one that she should burn in hell <laughs> she, she, the second one was the only one that just none, of, none of the son not not a single son-in-law liked her of the <laughs> of the three daughters or whatever it was not a single not a single son-in-law liked her <laughs> at christmas time well there was one son-in-law that was the married to the favorite daughter and he got he got everything at christmas whatever he wanted it, nothing was too big or too expensive for him to get and you know that's not why you should go into a marriage because of things you get from your family right. but we would each get like a a, a flannel shirt a, a pair of jeans or something whatever it was yeah. you know wasn't wasn't a lot and he'd get like the the fishing reel with the 17 jewel movement and the oh, gold right. plating and all this shit. <laughs> and the, the other three of us would stand around Chris and shaking the box and look at each other saying jeans. Yep. Jeans. <laughs> yep. And again, that, that, that woman lived to, she lived to cause strife. She, she treated the grandkids all differently. She treated mm-hmm. the, the daughters all differently. I'm like, I, I don't oh, yeah. understand. What no, you put up with got, this. I, really, I don't, I don't get it very much the same way. And yeah. I, so I, I was very, I was, there's a lot of mother-in-law jokes and I can make a few, but I got very lucky twice because both my mother-in-laws absolutely adored me. Good. I don't know why, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. but, and, but see, and one of the things that 
is around that why the managed brain is so important is for instances like that. So if you got, you know, y'all were able to, you and the other in-laws were able to, to laugh about it. Yeah. You had the favorite who was, you know, he, he got the, the really kick-ass fishing reel while y'all just got jeans or or shirt, but you know, y'all were able to joke about it because y'all were again, one of the things uh, that I have really noticed about men and uh, well, the difference between men and women is women need positive input. Yes. Um, that's why when they're in, in the, uh, in the corporate world, they have to take so much, uh, mental health days and they need to take personal days right. and all that so much. And that is because they have to find some way of find adding positivity to their life. Right. And men, we actually, because of our masculinity, we actually can take the negative of the world. And right. that's actually, I kind of think that's how God set us up to be is we take the negative of the world. We go to our family, we go to our wife. She dumps all of her, all her problems onto you. And yeah, you know, we're not supposed to fix it. We're not supposed to fix it all the time, which is something yeah, that- we all struggle with, but we are supposed to take the negative and then what we do is we actually be, associate ourselves with other men. The, the very fact that we actually hang out with other men, and that's why I recommend uh, that men meet up with other men on a very, very regular right. basis. Once a week, five to t- five guys go out and hang out in the woods, or just build a you know build a shed for for the fun of it, just to tear right. down the next the next week. You know, to do those types of things is the, the that very act of doing those allows you to take your negative energy and to actually convert it back into positive energy right so that you can actually share that with everyone around you and I've started calling guys that we're, we're the tower we're a, a tower of positive energy and because that's what we're what we do we take it in and that's why we wear a lot a lot of guys will wear the women out yeah they they society tells you, yeah, you need to be opening up to your wife. You need to be sharing more with your wife. What do you actually need to be sharing with your wife? Right. A lot of people think, oh, well, I'm supposed to be sharing my day and all that. No, no, no. Share more positivity with your wife. That's what she's actually wanting. Right. Or your yeah, girlfriend. I never, or I never really put it that way or put it together that way. Something yeah. that I was thinking about, I read recently, um, men are fixers. We want to. Yeah. If someone comes to us with a problem, we want to fix it. Well, if that person's being mean to you, then just stop talking to them kind of right. thing. But something I read recently was instead of coming at it from that angle, approach it more from the point of view of do you want comfort or do you want a solution kind of thing? You know, when when the wife comes to you and she wants to complain about something or mm-hmm. to use the vernacular to bitch about something, and it's like, all right, you have to put into your head, does she want comfort? Does she want a solution? Does she just want to vent without you, without you saying anything at all? Just, just let her vent. And that, a lot of and, that is, helps with, if you can go to, uh, uh, when she starts at saying, Hey, I need to talk. I've got around to where it's all right. Are you just needing to talk or you need fit? You need a solution. Right. 
And most of the time it's, you know, it's not about the nail. If you ever saw that in that video, yep. <laughs> it comes it turns that. around. It's not about the nail. It's right. just about the fact that she just, she, she wants to use you as a sounding board. She wants to right. bounce the ideas off of it. And cause as she talks, she's at, cause when we're, anytime we're talking, we're actually just sharing our thoughts. So our thoughts right. are, are filled our head <laughs> up and are flowing out of our mouth. And so it's just a thought converted into sound. And so, yeah, a lot of times she's just thinking her problems through. Right. And that was, that's one reason why nice guys get in so much trouble because, and they instantly try to fix stuff. Right. Is because all of a sudden that that emotion is like, oh my, my wife isn't happy. She's not in the emotional state I want her to be in. So let's fix it. Let's get it done. Let's get it fixed. It doesn't matter whether it's the right way to fix it. Just get it fixed. So she stops complaining. And so she gets back up to the acceptable emotional level because nice guys want that emotional level to be a particular spot. That's why they're manipulators. They manipulate you to keep your emotion at a particular comfortable range. You don't get too high. You don't get too much excited about something and you don't get too low. You don't get too uh, unhappy about something. You got to be right in a particular area and they're fine. But anytime somebody has a problem and all that dips down too low or they got something really great that's happened and it gets way too high for them, They'll do something to bring that back down, to right. level it out. And yeah, I'm guilty. I'm guilty that oh, I always yeah. want to like. Oh, I don't yeah. understand why you're putting up with this, or you know, just just knock it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, it's like what? what, what stop you, it! You know what you ought to do? Stop talking to them. Right. You know, stop, just, you stop know? talking to them. If they're making you mad, stop talking. Well, you don't understand my friend. Well, they don't sound like a very good friend. It's, I don't uh, it, well, like I said, we've got. I've got a friend who is drives me up the wall, but she is my wife's best friend. And, right. and and it drives her up the wall, and yeah, it's just one of those where you yeah, just accept it. It's like, like that. That oh, I'm like, why are you why are you talking? All right, whatever. You know, I your know it's your only friend, but you can make more friends if you just you know you do something. Right? If you if you just try a little bit, <laughs> there, there are other people in the world that you can talk to. I promise. They're out there. They're out there. There's there's seven billion, eight billion yeah, people it, out there now. So yeah, she she's a school teacher and she talks about her day and all her problems and I just I let her <laughs> and she'll just just ramble on for a while. She's like, oh my, I I you know I I didn't realize I was rambling. I'm like, you need somebody to, to vent to. Um, yeah. let it go because it, it doesn't affect my life one way or the other. How the other exactly, and that's and what it, it, it so many people me. don't understand is that it honestly. But, doesn't yeah, I think I, I think a lot so, of men have that problem, and so it's, it's not it, it's not about you, dude. Yeah, it has absolutely nothing her, to do with her you. crying you to do is on your shoulders. Not going to help you one way or the other. It's not going to make right. your life better. It's not going to make your life worth worse. Yeah, it may not feel wonderful at the moment, but that's okay. Right. It's just a feeling. It's a, a feeling is nothing more than a vibration we feel throughout our body. So, right. who who cares if you feel crappy at the moment because your girlfriend's unhappy? It's yeah, right. it's not fun, but at the same time, it's not bad. You could be a sponge or you could be like yeah. a, a sheet of rubber that just let it bounce off and, and slide off for you. And, you know, all the negative crap can pull at your feet and you step out of that circle of crap and it doesn't matter because right. you were there for them and you needed to support them and, and whatever. So what was, when, what were some of the, some of the skills that you have learned to develop now that you've gone through your divorces? A lot of things are not as important as you may think they are. Okay. They don't, you know, a lot of things just, 
you get to the point where you say, you know what, that doesn't matter. It doesn't affect my life any. It doesn't, it doesn't make me a better person or a worse person. It has no, no bearing on my life whatsoever. Um, another thing I've developed is, is listening from a neutral standpoint where if someone's complaining to you about something you did, you just, all right. And you have, you open up and you realize it. Yes, I was a jerk and I did this and I was a jerk face and I did that. And that's not how I should have reacted. So you learn, you learn how to act differently and not react to everything. You don't have to react to everything that comes, comes into your sphere of influence. Right. You can just okay. choose to ignore it. Um, another thing is compassion, trying to understand and even empathy. I, I've always been a very empathetic person and I, and I, I get how people feel whether they're communicating that or not. Sometimes I just know how a person feels and that's a very important skill to develop. Now you can't, you can't suddenly become empathic. It doesn't work that way. I think you're either born with it or you're not. I think you can be sympathetic. I think you can try to understand what someone's going through without actually knowing what they're going through right. or feeling what they're going through. Listening is a very important thing. You know, you may be, you may be pissed off at your spouse or your partner or whoever, but you've got to realize that maybe what they did was not intentional mm-hmm. or maybe what they did had nothing to do with you whatsoever. I, that was a skill I developed when I worked at Harbor Freight where I would tell the younger kids, you know, like the 18, 19, 20 year old, I said, people are going to come in here and they're going to be pissed at you. You had nothing to do with them. <laughs> you didn't have anything until 30 to do seconds it. ago. You never met them before in your life and they hate you. And they're going to be, they're going to be vile towards you. And I said, you got to step back and realize that it has absolutely nothing to do with you whatsoever. They came into the store that way. Someone cut them off in traffic. They stepped in dog crap on the way into the store. Who knows? It doesn't matter what the, what the reason is. You just got to realize that they're not mad at you and you just have to let it, let Let it roll off of you. (laughs) And they'll eventually calm down and tell you what they're looking for, what they need and help them and, you know, I always try to send customers out happier when than when they came in. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't always work. No, no, no always. But... I said I'll be right back, and I went to the break room, and I went to my my coworker. I said, "You go deal with them. <laughs> go, deal, go deal with the jerk on aisle four because I I don't want to talk to them anymore because I'm gonna I'm gonna hit them with a wrench or something. <laughs> we got plenty of them too. Got a whole <laughs> it's gonna, while. It's gonna be a murder today. <laughs> I gotta go back out there. And it's, gonna, it's gonna be a murder. So uh, I'll be going to jail. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to to understanding that it's not personal, right? How did you? Was there a particular point that it just finally clicked that it has yeah, nothing just, to do? It, it, it clicks. I think a lot of it had to do with. Um, I don't do like a formal Bible study, but I read. I read every day. I read a devotional in the morning. I read one at night before I go to bed because it puts me in a positive. Or better mood. I mm-hmm. think a lot of it had to do with with reading that and and drawing closer to God. And I'm not trying to be all religious and saying you got to change your ways and you know start attending church every day. But I think I think it helps. I think it sets a positive mindset for you. It takes away from all the negative crap in the world. But I think at some point you just got to let that switch flip the other way and say, all right, it's not about me. It's about they had a bad experience in at the store at work or wherever and has nothing to do with me. And right. it's not an easy process to remove, remove yourself from that situation. Cause you feel like 
why are you yelling at me? I didn't do anything to you. You know, I just woke up. Why are you mad at me? <laughs> and that is, and that's the. <laughs> Have you been here all day? What did I exactly? Do? You know? Yeah, it's like good grief, man. You you were here. You got to be here all day. I was out and about. Right. But again, I just got home. And that's, what did I do? <laughs> that's the that is one thing so many men struggle with is they yes. do take even they their take even their girlfriend or wife being angry. They take it right. personally, even if she says something very you know snide towards your, towards you. It's again, right. it's not a personal attack upon you. It is just her thoughts and her emotions. Right. Creating an action that's creating a result, right? And well, sometimes, sometimes it is personal. So I, I felt that it was it was personal attacks. Well, okay, that's, that's something, yeah, that's no, something entirely different that you got to learn to you got to learn to deal with that well, too. Because and it, I, I can see how that would be could be viewed, but at the same time, it is just a person who is reacting off their emotions, right? So, it, I mean, you could you can always choose to take something personally or you could even right. take it a personal attack and go all right well like see somebody's in a bad mood right now so, right. and well i've done i've done that too <laughs> okay. and, and it may not help them because again your no their, just, their reaction me, is actually just a reaction to the circumstance of your reaction right so you know it's it can become a just a reaction soup where you know she's she's mad because you know her best friend didn't call her back within 15 minutes when she's supposed to and you just have right. to walk into the field of view and so she t- launches out on you and you if right. you have again an unmanaged mind you're letting your brain go unmanaged you're liable to just go ahead and launch back at her right. because and it's a very easy, it's a very easy trap to fall into and it just comes you, reaction upon reaction and you go back at them even harder than they came at you and that doesn't really help anything that's just and I think I I think there's a lot of those situations over the years that I was married where it's just like, well, fine if you're gonna be this way to me, I'm gonna be this way to you. Yeah. Not, in the long run, it doesn't help anybody. No, and no, it, it causes the it causes I'm the, sorry, the emotion jerk. to fall apart. Even or, or my favorite thing was, oh, I'm sorry you were mad at me. <laughs> there, well, I, let's but talk about victim I, mindset I right there. I'm, so, I'm sorry you're mad. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's a joke about that. When your wife is mad, put a towel around her shoulders and tell her now you're super angry. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? If you tell a woman she's being unreasonable, she'll she'll listen to you and realize that she was being unreasonable, and she'll calm down. <laughs> she'll calm the hell down. Yeah, right, calm right down. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I was at fault, and she'll calm right down. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work either. Didn't. Yeah. But there's there's a lot of there's a lot of slamming doors and a lot of yelling and a lot of. Um, what was the term? Oh, hallway sex, where you pass each other in the hallway and say "f you" to one another. Yeah, <laughs> I, I went through. I went through a lot of that. Oh yeah, and so, a lot of it. I re- I realize now, and I can say it publicly and openly that I screwed up a lot, and a lot of the a lot of the issues were were my fault. But there comes a point where you got to say, "All right, it's enough, and this is not working because I'm the punching bag all the time." Right. You know, and you're hanging out with no this, personal responsibility yeah. for this whatsoever, where none of it's your fault, and that's not that's not healthy. Right. You can't you can't go through life or a marriage that way, where everything is one sided. No, and seeming it, it doesn't it doesn't serve you to to be that. No, absolutely and not. That's where a lot of people they actually will sacrifice themselves for the sake of the other person, and that yep. altruism just 
doesn't doesn't help the person that they're they're they no, think they're saving not. and it doesn't help the the other the the hero in the in the scenario doesn't do anything for either side for the very fact of hey <laughs> you've you've got to take care of yourself and the, a lot of guys won't won't do that they will sacrifice themselves thinking that if i you know sacrifice myself enough if i hurt myself enough that she'll start loving me again. Right. And yeah. If I just, if I just, if I um, bow down to all her demands, do everything she wants. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this. I said, you know, even if I had done everything that my ex wanted me to do, it wouldn't have been enough. No, I, no, I could have met, I could have met every demand. I could have exceeded every demand and every wish and every want and everything. And it wouldn't have been and enough. She would have actually, point, re- she would have resented you. Resume- even more. Exactly. That's where I was going. Yeah. Eventually I think, I think your spouse will resent you if you're, if you're a doormat. Yeah. I don't think doormat, it's any way to go through life. You know, no, don't no, be a no. Melvin milk toast either. Or yes, dear, whatever you say, dear, because eventually she's going to resent you for that and say, why aren't you a man? Why don't you stand up? Why don't you? Why don't you that's, grow a spine? That's the thing she actually and, wants when she is complaining stand up about you. Me. Right? Is, you don't stand up and be be a jerk about it. Don't be all. But no, be all give her, alpha let her know that you way, are a human. My way or no way, kind of thing. But right. yeah, you have. There's got to be resistance. There's got to be a point where you say, "All right, I'm not a punching bag anymore." And, and that's where to, the boundaries come into play. But at the same time, and that, that was a big issue for my for my family, even my kids, because I went from being a guy that cursed like a sailor every second of every day to, I don't want to be this way anymore. And I started changing and none of them could accept it. It's like, wait a minute. Why aren't you getting mad? Now, why why do aren't you, think, you cursing? Now I want, let's, uh, let's look at that. Why do you think that they're actually had, had such a hard time accepting that? Because I was that way for as long as they, you know, my kids grew up with me being that way. And then I won't say it was like, a, a switch flipped overnight and I was a different person. I gradually became mm-hmm. that new person and I'm still growing into that person, but I am not, I'm not the person I was a year ago or two years ago or three years ago or whatever. I am a different person right, right now. Now I, I had a lot of issues where I get a lot of, I would get a lot of pushback because I wasn't acting the way I used to mm-hmm. and they couldn't accept that. And they still wanted it's almost like they wanted to drag me back into that person because now, it didn't okay, me. and that's exactly. I think what it was I'm a comfort at. thing. Yeah, I think it. I think it was a comfort thing. I think that's what they're used to. That's that's how daddy acts, and we don't like this new daddy. Yeah, all of a sudden how, we don't know, know how to express dad, it. We don't like it. Dad's bettering himself, right? And yeah. the we fact like that, that you're bettering them yourself, and they're still down here. Again, there's a. I'm sure there's a good bit of fear. If you were to really dig down in there, I bet you there was something along the lines of dad's going to leave us behind because he's now going to see himself being too good for us. And maybe I, yeah, I never thought about that way. That makes sense. It's easy to look back now and say, yeah, I I can see why they reacted that way. And that's why a lot of times when you have point of contention for all of us was I was a different person and they didn't like that. Because you healthier. made them. That, that was a big thing. It was like, well, why are you doing that? Because I don't want to eat the crap anymore. And right. since I've since I moved, uh, I'm a different person. I, I've even grown since I've moved where, yeah. you know, there's no stress anymore. I'm eating healthier. I'm living healthier. I'm actually leaving the house and doing things because it, I'm not saying that this is true, but it felt to me, and I'm going to, t- I'm going to put this on myself, it felt to me like she never wanted to do anything mm-hmm. or do anything at the time when I wanted to do stuff. So. 
Right. Now it's a, it's a different mindset. It's a different everything where I can look back and say, yeah, I was not, I was not a good person during this decade or this whatever. And I can see where, like I said, a lot of, a lot of the issues were probably caused by me, but if you can't, if you can't work that out and you can't come to some kind of agreement with your spouse about things you want or things you want to do or try or whatever, then I don't know. I really don't know where to turn from that point. If you're, right. if you're both at, at odds about it, right. I don't know what to do. And that is, again, that's where we, so many times we want to sacrifice ourselves. We were, you were <laughs> to the point to where you wanted to sacrifice your, your improvements, your self-improvements to go back <laughs> down so that you're, you would right. get some love from, from your kids. But in all reality, what you were doing is your, your, your kids were screaming of, I'm too scared to get out of my comfort zone. I don't know right. how to get out of my comfort zone so that I can follow you. And so that's where you could look at them. And I'm going to use the word pity just because I can't think of a better word to use right. because I don't like one of the, one of the things, you know, like victims absolutely hate is to get pity from somebody. Right. I mean, that's the closest to attention that yeah, they don't, will don't get. pity me. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, that's all you can do for a, a victim. And that's, in, in a way, your kids are going, are, are a victim of their own mental limitations. Right. And so, yeah, you, all you can do is you can feel bad for them and go, you can do it. You can come up and have a better life. Right. And, but yeah, you're going to have to leave stuff behind. You're, you've, we've all had friends who, looked at you after you've made some ma- major change in your life and go, well, you're not the same person. Well, no, right. duh, dude, I'm not supposed to be the same right. person. Yeah, if you, I was the same I, person, I I'd be still in the same, I'd be in the same crap hole that you're in as of right now. Right. Dude, I love yeah. you, but you, you have, you're going to have to come up to me. I'm not sliding back down for you. I don't, I don't think you should ever, and it's a hard pill to swallow, but I don't think you should ever settle for a year in life. I think you should always be trying oh, to do yeah. something better. Always trying to be better. That's, better. And I, I've left a lot of friends behind. I left a lot of situations behind. I've given up, I've given up TV shows and movies and and things that I liked. Mm-hmm. But I know that they are detrimental to me, both spiritually and emotionally. Right. And it's just stuff I don't need in my life anymore. And do I miss it? Sure. I like watching The Sopranos or watching those types of shows where I used to really love that and enjoy that. And now I watch it and it makes me feel uncomfortable. So I know that's not for me anymore. Right. And it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to change. It's a hard thing to, I never thought in my entire life that I would, I would pack up my life or grab whatever I could fit in a suitcase with me and move 2,400 miles away from where I was. I never thought I would do it, but I am, I am happier now than I have been. I'm better off than I have been. And it's, I'm becoming a better person now. And that's not to say that where my family's at is a bad thing. Yeah, you know, if that works for them, that's great. I'm happy for them, yeah. and I will support them as much as I can in that. But I, I will always be pulling for them to to be better or yeah. make themselves better or improve themselves in some way, right. rather than being mired in that, um, that lifestyle yeah. or that that position they're in. Right, and that's that falls right into because my the the relaxed male. I get there are four pillars that a man man really truly needs to live by. And these four pillars make his his foundation as solid as possible. And those foundations are he's, he's got to work on his mind. 
always improving that mind, always improving how you think, reading books, mm-hmm. reading, listening to podcasts, going yep. to, going to conferences, you know, everything that you can do. Attending church is one of those where you're, you're improving your mind. Yes. Then there is body. You've got to start. You always have to be improving your body, making sure that you're getting the exercise, eat, starting to eat right. You don't have to go vegan. God help right. me. I, I'm not about to do have anybody do that. No. You've got men. Man was designed to eat charred animal flesh, and so we need yeah. to be eating that. <laughs> and so we've got to, we've got to eat right, and we've got to exercise. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, do throw in some throw in some vegetables from time to time. Make it green beans, Brussels right. sprouts. Most people hate Brussels sprouts, but if you take Brussels sprouts and throw some bacon grease on top of it and cook it mm-hmm. that way, all of a sudden, holy smokes, they're actually delicious. I never knew. Funny it was story. I I ate Brussels sprouts recently and I didn't die. So. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a positive. Wow. Well, okay. I, I ate one and I didn't die. I didn't right. die. I another one. I'm still alive. So yeah. yeah. It's mean, funny, you know, talking about eating better. I, I'm no vegan, like you said, but I've noticed that when I do the fruit smoothies every day and I eat the salad with the fruit and all the good stuff on every day, I wasn't getting sick. And then I got lazy and I went back to processed foods and I went uh, back to the box dinners and I went back to all the crap. All of a sudden you started getting those inflammations uh, again. Getting and- sick again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so now I'm now I'm fighting I'm fighting to get back to where I was with with the positive gut health and everything. Yeah. And and so yeah, I'm not a couch potato anymore. I don't I don't sit at my computer for 18 hours right. a day like I used to. I actually leave the house and I get sunshine on my face and it's it's, it's a great amazing thing. what happens when that happens. And then the uh, third one is the man's soul. And this one is the one that most men struggle with because this is you finding what your purpose is. What is your calling? What are you supposed to do with yourself? And a lot of guys start off with saying, I don't know. Well, that's good. You're not supposed to know if you haven't been following it. But that becomes your purpose is finding your purpose. And so once you get you start feeding your soul, then you go for your community. And that's where men need that that group of men that they meet with on a weekly basis. Right. And uh, and if they can't meet on a weekly basis, at the very least monthly. And y'all spend all day, a whole weekend, every month doing just guy stuff. And it right. maybe it's just that everybody goes off and spends four hundred dollars by themselves uh long bows and everybody just for the weekend that y'all just shoot archery, do archery and and right. shoot guns and Stuff like that. Whatever it is where you are spending a lot of time with a bunch of other guys in a masculine environment and y'all are just doing guy stuff. I I think that bond is important. I think, I think we need, and I think we're called to build one another, one another up. Absolutely. I, I think you can't live in a vacuum. You can't live apart from society. Yeah. And you've, you've got to do that. You've got to do that guy time, whether it's, archery or sitting around a campfire, whatever, just, just being dudes. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's important and doesn't have to be super like alpha male. No, no, it's, it doesn't have anything stuff. to do with alpha Bravo, Charlie right. Delta, you know, Epsilon guys or whatever. Are, guys are, they need, they need that opportunity and that that safe feeling uh, that's, I hate to use the word safe space because I absolutely it's for it. But they need a place where they can feel like they yeah. can just be a dude. Yeah. And, and not have to worry about it. When you Scratch, have those. Sit and burp and whatever. Whatever exactly. you want. 
without having oh you're a pig no it's a, it's a nat it's a natural reaction to to drinking it's, beer i can i can <laughs> either i can either belch or i can let it come out the other end and trust me the right, other I, end's worse way, so. right yeah i'm not leaving the room for you i'm sorry i, I but no and that's right here but men learn the best when they're standing shoulder to shoulder with other men yes and so when you have a guy, when you have other guys that you're being around and you're doing that natural taking all the, all the negative energy out of you and bringing in positive energy because of the, of the natural mechanics of masculinity, you're going to have a better life. And yeah, you're going to have your ex-wife and your, and, uh, your ex-wives who are actually going to see you change and they're going to go, wow. You, you, you've changed. You've become better. And you, you may even have them want to start trying to date again. And you're like, oh, you may have to go. No, sweetheart. I, I, we had our time. It was great, oh, but it's, yeah, it's time to pass. There's, there's no, there's no going back. Once, once we're done, that's it. We're done yeah. because I, I left you for a reason <laughs> or you left me for a reason. So. Right. I want I want to take your 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 male bonding one step further. I would I would actively encourage you if you're a father and you get to spend time with your kids oh, and yeah. you have sons, bring your sons with you. Let oh, your sons, very much so. Let yeah. your sons see it's okay to be a dude, you know, not having society poo poo the idea of whatever it is you're doing, whether it's hunting or fishing or yeah. whatever whatever you want to do. Bring yeah. bring your sons with you. Oh, and, no, them, and I, them, that I agree. Let them know that's that one of the that great things. Okay that that dads need to do is uh, especially when a child when a boy turns from 11 to 13 in that range mm-hmm. dads need to be as centered in that boy's life as absolutely possible yeah I, and i mean if that means you have to drop what you're doing and move across the country to to the same state that your son's in mm-hmm. do it you know yeah. Well, what about money? What about money? You know how to make it. You were making right. it in the previous state, so you can yeah, do it I, over here. Growing up, I didn't have that because my dad worked a lot when I was younger. And by the time I became a teenager, we'd hurry separated so far apart that there was there was no going back. And I was an adult before I could accept like being in the same room as him. And I'm not saying he was a bad father. He wasn't a bad father at all. I don't want that. I don't want it to be taken that way. He just wasn't a present dad like I was with my kids. Right. And my brother and I went the exact opposite with our oldest children from what he did. We we went the extreme other way, and that's not good either. So, no, you, know, you don't want to be a helicopter. Along, when my son came along, I started veering back the other way to be a more centered parent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you want to be able. To I, I wish. I wish. I wish my dad would have had the relationship that I had with my son. Yeah. I wish I would have had that with my dad growing up. And I, I, my son, my son and things, I were very close. Oh yeah, and that's part of what kills me now that he won't talk to me. And I'm, I'm sure there are reasons. His reasons are his own, and I yeah. can't force him so, to come around. So I with him not he wakes up and says, him. "I miss my dad." Yeah, and I want to start talking to him again. I will absolutely one million percent be open to either one of my children coming to me and say, "Hey, you know, I'm sorry we haven't talked for so long. I, I want to start over again, or I want to start up again, or whatever." I absolutely accept that. I think a lot of fathers have to realize as you're going through a divorce that your kid doesn't necessarily hate you. No. Eight, a lot of it is one what you get. They're catching all the a information. Lot of it, and this goes both ways, whether it's right. the mother divorcing or the father divorcing, a lot of it comes from the parent they spend the most amount of time with. And they may, if you hate your spouse, don't ever, ever tell your kids that you hate your spouse. That's not good for you. It's not, it may make you feel better. 
and may make you feel vindicated in some way, saying, well, I hate them, so it's okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, I I saw that way too often where one parent just absolutely vilifies the other parent. And maybe the father or the mother didn't do anything wrong, you know, as far as society is concerned, but they they harmed them in some way or they spurned them in some way. And now they're going to turn their kids against them. Absolutely do not do that. Do not turn your kids against your spouse. No matter what you feel for your spouse or your ex-spouse, keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Always be that positive role model, no matter what, no matter how much it hurts you. You know, you can go, you can go, when the kids are at their, at their mom's house, you can drink, you can do whatever you want. You can be yeah. as stupid as you want and you bitch about them all you want. But when you're, when you're present in your kid's life, you can't do that. You can't say, well, he was a jerk or she was a jerk or, or whatever. You know, you gotta, you gotta maintain that your father is still your father. Your mother is still your mother, no matter what. Right. And, and I think one of the I think one of the great little uh, tools I actually uh, recommend men do is when they're if they have a instance where their child isn't talking with them anymore um, because of reasons. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest things to grab is a notebook, a spiral notebook, and every day just write a letter to your to your child. Leave it mm-hmm. in the notebook, but just write. You know, and date it, you know, October 13th, right. uh, 2023. Hey, John, just wanted to drop in real quick. Just to let you know, I'm thinking about you today and missed you today. I went off, worked, made, uh, I actually went off and closed a deal worth $30,000. One of the best thing, one of the best feelings I've had today. I wish I was able to see you to celebrate with you and just to mm-hmm. share all that your life with him. And when, right. when Johnny or uh, your, whoever shows up and finally comes back and goes, you know what? I was a jerk. I'm sorry, dad. I turned my back from you. You can go, you're okay. You were always in my heart and you can show all right. 14 book, you know, books, that, uh, notebooks that you've got mm-hmm. and go, this is me thinking of you. I want you to have these and this is a gift and, and give it to them. And if they read it, awesome. If they don't, awesome. But they know that you are thinking about them for, you know, however many pages worth of letters. That's a good, I I should probably start doing it. I send them, I send both my kids a text every night before I go to bed. I haven't missed in over a year, year and a half, however long I've been here. I haven't missed. I don't know if they're reading them or not. I don't know if they're getting them or not. I don't know, but Every night I send them a, a good night text. I love you. I miss you. Whatever thinking about you or this happened today. So yeah, I I've never once given up hope that someday they'll come around. Yeah, and it's hard. It it, it takes a very a hard while. thing. To I do. agree. When you're when you're single and your kids aren't with you and you miss them and they they don't talk to you or whatever, it's it's a hard thing to get to. It, but it I'm, I'm telling any any guy that's listening to this right now, or even the women, if women are listening to this and going through the same thing, mm-hmm. never ever give up hope. It's it's very easy to say, well, forget it. I'm done. They want nothing to do with me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna think about them. I'm not gonna have them in my life. It, it's very easy to do that, but it, it's very hard. But it's absolutely worthwhile to maintain that they're my kids. I love them. I'm thinking about them. I'm gonna constantly engage with them, right. whether they're they're with me or not. And two things are gonna happen: either the kids gonna be pissed off at you and tell you to stop, and that's at least that's a reaction, so you know that they're they're aware of what you're doing or event they're going to be silent and eventually they'll come around. Yeah. And I mean, I've got, I was the, I was the, the 
the wayward uh, son for for quite a while, and it was wasn't with a parent; it was with actually with a step parent. And my stepmom had essentially raised me from the age of four till till after I graduated from high school, and then after high school, I mean, I was wanting to pull pull away from parents as as most guys nor- typically want to do and she wanted to hold on uh, a little bit tighter and so it took it was became a almost a force of will to where we had to, I just right. pulled myself away it's like we're not not talking about it we're not doing anything she wants to talk to me fine we'll we'll just we'll handle it as we handle it and Went away, went our separate ways for, I didn't talk to her hardly at all. Maybe once, twice, uh, maybe even five, a total of maybe five times in the past 30 years. And then back in 2019, she did. She reached out and said, Hey, kind of wanted to see how you're holding up. And it just kind of built back up, built back up. And yeah, I still have a lot of apprehension every time mm-hmm. i hear hear her call uh, see that she's called or she's texted or uh, she wants me to come to uh, come to her house uh, it, you know it's like oh crap is, are we going to start everything up this time or is mm-hmm. it still going to be you know okay. amicable and i know deep down it's going to stay amicable because one the things we were fighting about were stupid stuff that we were fighting right. about it didn't matter you know, it doesn't matter one way or the other. It was, you know, it was just, a, it was a, it was stupid stuff. It was pride. It was ego that was in the way. And so, right. but yeah, it's, it comes back in and it, you can go, no matter what anybody says, you can go back home. Right. Uh, it may not look the exact same way because I mean, I mean, good example, <laughs> my stepmother doesn't, uh, when I was growing up, you did not let a dog get, come in the house. And first time I showed up at her house, there were four freaking dogs in that damn house. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? You know? And oh my gosh, she right. was a proper Southern Baptist woman and didn't, uh, there was several times dad would walk in with, uh, with, you know, half a, half a, six pack of, uh, of Michelob and, and, uh, in the morning, those, all the, the remaining bottles have been dumped out in the sink and, and, mm-hmm. and all that. And I mean, now I go in there and her, uh, her grandkids that were old enough to drink and had alcohol, had alcohol stored in the freezer. And it's like, what the world, <laughs> man, this is right. Am I sure this is a right, right Vicky house? I'm, did I go the wrong one? But right. it, it happens. But at the same time, like I said, life becomes, you, you can go back home because people do grow up. They do change. They become better people. They become, they they're become less egocentric. And that's where a lot of our, our problem is. If there's anything yes. that's actually who the great Satan actually is, it's it's the ego. The ego is, yes. is Satan. I agree. So, but anyhow, so anything else you'd like to, uh, to talk about while, uh, while we're all here still? No, uh, I think we covered everything I had in mind to cover and a few things I wasn't expecting, <laughs> yeah. which is always nice. Always nice, yeah. Surprises are always, well, not always good, but usually good. <laughs> so, These are all pleasant surprises. So. All right. Um, so you do have a podcast of your own, uh, Craig, uh, At Home with Craig. 
And sure. so, uh, how do, how would people be able to find you there? Uh, like I say in my podcast, uh, anywhere we're fine pods or cast, um, you can find <laughs> me on pretty much any service now. Probably the easiest one is through anchor or, um, podpage.com slash at home with Craig. Oh, I love podpage. Yeah. So. Nice plug for them. So if they want to like do a sponsorship, I'm, I'm, I'm open oh. to, I'm always open to offers and, and deals and, and whatnot. So yeah. yeah. Uh, here soon we'll eventually I, I try get you over weekly. onto onto Libsyn or Blueberry. So <laughs> get you off of off of uh, off of off of Anchor there. Eventually I'll leave Anchor, but if I leave Anchor, then I got to pay for another service, and yeah, I don't, don't want to pay. It's twenty bucks. It's, it's not that great. <laughs> like yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> Anchor works for now. If, if, I'll tell you what: if I get more than twenty listeners. For a few months to my podcast, I will I will switch to somewhere else. But <laughs> for the six or seven people that listen loyally, thank you very much. I I, I love each and every one of you. <laughs> so and once right. in a while, I'll get like ten listens. I'm like, oh, I found new. Wow, people. yeah, exactly. Where'd that come from? Oh, were those bots? And you start looking through, <laughs> looking around, just trying to figure out where in the world all those extra listens right. come from really so, sri lanka interesting yeah, all right wow. you know i had a presence there but there's two people from sri lanka every week you know, or wherever or indochina indochina yeah you know, they come from weird places like i don't i don't speak that language so i don't know what they're getting out of this but hey they're they're listening every week as long as i'm helping well, it's the same thing with youtube because i'll take i'll record in um usually like obs or something so i'll, re- mm-hmm. I'll do the video and i separate i use like I said, I use Audacity. I separate out the audio from the video, and I'm like, "Why not?" I send the video to YouTube, and I get like ten or eleven watches. No, oh, there you go. No real interaction yet, and I've only got like nine hundred and ninety-five subscribers to go before I can monetize. So you know, I'm getting there. <laughs> Some, yep. someday I'll hit I'll hit that thousand mark, and I'll I'll start making a few bucks from, oh, from yeah. YouTube every month. Get a few shekels tossed your way, and. Right, exactly. I, I I enjoy as long as I enjoy doing the podcast, I'm going to keep doing it. Good. Yeah. I, I know I do it mostly for me, and I I usually go about a half hour because that's as long as I can stand to talk to myself. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's long enough. And with the with the intro music, all right, I'll hit 20 minutes. All right, doing good. <laughs> I'll be, doing I'll be good. good. So, so all right. Well, Craig, man, it has been a pleasure to be able to talk with Absolutely. you on the show. And uh, I enjoyed doing this for you. We'll have to drag you on here again because it's just we're, Absolutely. You, you're actually tapping into the being the longest episode we've had so far. So nice. So we're yeah, we're going to be hitting close to probably about an hour forty five. So all right, cool. so all right. Well, man, you have yourself a good rest of the day. Uh, appreciate you again. Um, and uh, we will. Uh, I'll make sure to have everybody jump over to your uh, to your sites, right. and we'll absolutely talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you here a bit later. Then, all right, sounds good, man. All right, catch you later. Thanks again. Thanks, bye. Bye. bye.